Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. And I think with horses too, like um, Melissa has mentioned to me that she sometimes comes across people who don't quite understand the fact that like 30 days isn't like a reasonable expectation to have the horse like be like riding in 30 days when it comes to them like not started at all and stuff like that is absolutely not reasonable and that could take like a year or something so um I think yeah it's tough when clients maybe don't like have the same knowledge of the process that you do and really do think that it can work in 30 days since there are some like you know, force-based trainers who do kind of get those results questionably in 30 days. Um, So that can be tough. Um, But I think there are people out there who do understand or who are open to learning who will really be okay with the fact that a job well done might take longer. Yeah, I think with horses specifically, people are just so set on like the horse being finished. Like they think they send them away for a certain amount of time and then their training is done forever but training is a consistent lifelong thing it just continues it doesn't ever stop they're always learning so like you could maybe in 30 days have a horse that you can sit on but that might be completely different when they go home and they're working with someone else yeah that is a really good point and especially because like everybody does have different ways of doing things and there are studies out there talking about how it can be really tough for a horse to adapt to different riders and things like that who do things differently and that that can lead to lower welfare. Um, So there are kind of things that could come up from that. So I think that is too why it's so important for people to work with the trainer that they're training with and, and kind of be able to be a part of that process if possible, instead of just kind of like sending the horse away and then getting them back. Cause I have heard so many people who are like, oh yeah, the horse behaved great for the trainer. But then when they came back, they were doing terrible or whatever. And I also think part of that is when you're training in 30 days and getting a horse that's not been started at all to be like completely finished, um, you are gonna be using some questionable methods. And I think a lot of those kind of quick fix trainers use those methods behind the scenes. And so the owners maybe don't know or don't care or whatever, but they're not gonna use those methods themselves. So when the horse gets back and they're not getting those potentially questionable kind of forceful methods used on them, then they kind of are gonna go back to not doing the behavior. Um, And that's just kind of because the training was bad, but that's, I think that is kind of a factor too, of, you know, another reason why you really should be involved in the training. And I don't know, I wouldn't feel comfortable like sending my horse to somebody if the person wouldn't allow me to kind of like be a part of the process, however much I wanted to be. Like, I understand it can be stressful for trainers to like have clients constantly hovering around and whatnot. But I do think like people who just genuinely want to learn and whatnot, and who really want to be a part of and understand the process, I think that's really beneficial for them to do that. Yeah, and I think it can honestly be easier for the trainer sometimes, because I know with dog clients, I've had quite a few where they just like drop them off at the facility, I do an hour of training, and then they go home, and it can be really hard to kind of relay that information back and forth, and like 
just all of that skill transferring for the owner to learn, it can be hard because they're not going through the actual training process. They're just being taught kind of like the end cue and what the behavior should look like. So it's just kind of a lot that gets missed if the owner isn't involved at all. Yeah, that's very true. I think that's a good point. And I think it can help the trainer too be aware of like the owner's feedback or if there's certain behaviors that the owner like really wants to be like worked on and stuff. And then you can kind of get the idea of what the expectation is there and continue to have them involved. Yeah, this is like totally off of anxiety and burnout now. <laughs> yeah that's okay I guess that's what you would expect um <laughs> I mean we did talk about potentially doing like a red or green flag for trainers so I guess we kind of covered that a little bit too yeah I guess we did um <laughs> well I guess to, if we want to try to get back on topic a little bit another kind of suggestion that I have for people who are anxious I think one type of anxiety that we haven't really covered here that I do think is very common is like more anxiety, not about other people, but like about the horse. Like I don't experience this really personally, but I think a lot of people are really anxious about working with their horse. They feel like maybe they don't understand their horse or they feel like they're, I don't know. They just feel like they maybe don't have the skills that they need or they feel that the horse is like, you know, kind of offering like unwanted behaviors and not doing what they're kind of asking and stuff like that. And that can lead to a lot of just kind of personal anxiety there. And I think, you know, for that, I would just recommend really learning as much as you can, even just about like horse body language and communication. Like we always recommend this, but of course the book Language Signs and Common Signals of Horses by Rachel Dreisma. That is a really important book that everyone should read. And um, I think if you have even like dipped your toes into the positive reinforcement world you've probably heard of that book so that's great but yeah definitely like reading stuff like that and just even like watching youtube videos and listening to podcasts and just like trying to learn as much as you can because i really think that a lot of the anxiety that people do feel about working with their horse could be lessened if they really just learned a lot and i think part of learning a lot kind of comes with at least in the positive reinforcement world, learning that we have to take things in these really low, slow steps. And that helps maybe people to feel like it's kind of digestible, like they're able to actually get through these small steps. So yeah, I think that just is a really big aspect of anxiety that a lot of people have that we haven't really covered. And then I guess lastly on that sort of type of anxiety, there are a lot of people who are doing work to help with like confidence and things like that, even with like not totally traditional writing, like um, Felicity Davies has the confident equestrian program. I don't agree with everything she does and she does um, mix, which I personally don't do, but I do think that the confident equestrian program seems like a positive program and has a lot of potential to really help somebody get more confident. So um, I think that could be an option as well, kind of having a professional to work with you and help you build back up confidence. Yeah, confidence with your horse in general can be really tricky because they're huge. <laughs> like, I totally understand why people would be nervous about them or maybe they had an incident. Like I know for me with Pharaoh, he used to kick out a lot when I would handle any of his hubs, but especially his back ones. So 
it was really hard for me to build confidence around trimming him. <laughs> like I couldn't even pick up his feet without getting a kick out. So that's something that's really hard to work with. And I honestly just kind of had to put training aside for a while and just be with him without any expectations. And that was really helpful because I was able to kind of pick up on his body language and things like that without having to focus on training as well. So again, it's totally fine to just set training aside for a while, as long as your horse's needs are met, there's nothing wrong with that. And working with a trainer too, or like the Confident Riders program or Confident Equestrians, that can be really helpful too, because then you kind of have more support going through it. And one thing that might be helpful too, if it's accessible to you is maybe trying to find a lesson program, even if it is traditional, but just where you're handling multiple horses, that might be easier that can help you kind of build confidence around horses in general. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, like you said, they are so big and a lot of the fear or anxiety that we can have about working with them is at least somewhat legitimate. Like things do happen and a lot of people do experience injuries. Like rider safety is a huge problem. And that, you know, is a lot of why I think positive reinforcement is so important because it really takes into account the horse's kind of threshold and their communication and allows them to express when they want to not do something and just kind of out of, you know, fight and flight, pick the flight option and just calmly walk away and not have mm -hmm. to, you know, escalate. And I think positive reinforcement can really help decrease those injuries, which there are studies on that I have recently shared one on my page. So I recommend looking into that. It just, it's pretty kind of, self-explanatory makes sense. I don't even think it needs studies on it, but just because the studies are there, it's good to, you know, acknowledge them and be like, yes, we do have science about this. But um, I think, you know, if you do kind of have that type of fear, sometimes it is legitimate. And I kind of said before that I don't have a lot of fear about work, like being around horses, which is true, but I just thought of one time when I did, um, and that was when I used to work at a barn, and there was a horse there who just was extremely aggressive. It was the horse who um, I went out into the pasture to get his blanket off, and he was calmly grazing, not showing any signs of stress, just seemed really relaxed to me, and I went to take off his blanket, and like no warning, he just suddenly like snaked his head around and grabbed me by the waist, actually picked me up off the ground, um, and I then, you know, dropped me, I fell onto the ground and then I sort of like got out of there, but he was continuing to like, you know, make aggressive moves towards me and stuff like that. And so I kind of had to just like get up quickly and run out of the pasture away from him. And that horse was just a horse that had such kind of deep issues, um, and so much aggression that stemmed from like, he definitely had some past medical issues that maybe were still bothering him, probably some, some issues with handling, things like that. But I was not the trainer there. I was just somebody working at the barn who was just supposed to be leading this horse in and out of the pasture. And so I did have to put up a boundary and say, I'm not going to work with this horse. I've been bitten by this horse multiple times. I was almost very seriously injured by this horse this last time that this happened. And I've expressed concerns about this to you multiple times and you haven't done anything about it. So I'm no longer going to work with this horse. If this horse needs something done, if he needs to be turned out or whatever, then the owner needs to come and do it because I'm not going to work with this horse anymore. And so like, I think it's also totally fair to put up those boundaries in terms of horses that actually are dangerous. And it is really sad because 
it's not the horse's fault. Obviously, horses aren't just bad for no reason. He was the way he was because of his history and the way that people treated him and all of those things. And I wish that I could do something about that. But like I said, I wasn't the trainer. They weren't interested in having me do any type of training or any type of, you know, like recommendations on like changing management or medical practices or anything like that. It just wasn't my place to be doing that. And I tried a little bit. They did get him onto like a calming type of um, like medication, but really the management <laughs> factors needed to be changed <laughs> first. So um, yeah, so all that long story, basically just to say like, it's okay to have those boundaries and it's okay to say like, yeah, actually this is literally a dangerous situation for me and I'm not gonna do that. Like I do think bravery is overemphasized in the horse world. I have also made posts on that based on studies and I've written blog posts on it and stuff. And I think like putting yourself in dangerous situations in the horse world is just really kind of overvalued and it would just be better for us to be able to say like, hey, I think this situation actually feels unsafe and have that be heard and have that be kind of like a valid thing. So yeah, I just kind of want to add that to the conversation of like, it is fine too, if it is actually dangerous. I mean, I think people usually know when they're being like, you know, just kind of nervous because of like a past accident that is really unlikely to reoccur versus a situation where it is really dangerous. But I think like we said before too, working with a professional may help you kind of figure out the situation and figure out if it really is dangerous or if, you know, there's, if it's just more of like a personal confidence thing. Um, so yeah, definitely that as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think for me personally, at least it was really helpful to actually start doing positive reinforcement too, because you are learning their body language and you can set up boundaries with the horse too, or maybe you only work with them in their stall or in the pasture with a fence between you. Like there's ways that you can set up the training that is safer or at least feel safer. I mean, the horse might not actually have any issues if it's just a confidence issue with you, but it can still help you feel better. It can help the horse feel safer. And protected contact is just great. I, I wish it was utilized more across all training. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, it can be hard to apply pressure when you can't physically access the horse. So I get why it's not used so much in um, kind of like pressure and release training. But yeah, I agree. Protected contact is so useful. And my mom is sometimes like concerned about me training horses. She's like, oh my gosh, like you're gonna get hurt or whatever. I'm like, mom, I can literally work with the horse through a fence. I don't even have to touch them or be like in their space whatsoever. And yeah, so <laughs> I think that is a good benefit of it of if you do feel unsafe or whatever, you always do have that option of still continuing the training and also having that kind of barrier between you that kind of protects you and protects the horse it can definitely help a horse who is very sensitive to pressure feel safer if they know that you are on the other side of that fence yeah and generally if the horse is feeling safer you are safer because they're not as likely to just like blow up or kind of give really subtle signs that you might miss or maybe even no signs before they bite or strike out or something like that yeah, exactly. And I mean, they definitely can get to a point like the one horse that I was talking about where they don't really give a lot of warning, but that usually is not very common in positive reinforcement training unless you're, you know, starting with a horse who has a really kind of 
long traditional background who has been shut down and had their needs overlooked and then they had to resort to that really quick escalation or if they got punished for showing the kind of um, more subtle signs first and then they were punished for that then obviously they might feel the need to escalate higher faster but I think that that's even horses that are like that I think getting them into an environment where they will see that they do have choice and they can be listened to when they say, you know, their subtle communication signs. I think that that will help them hopefully not kind of escalate that quickly. And I mean, I've talked about this a little, but I really do think the sort of like flight training perspective of, I forget who this is from in the dog training world, you probably know, but um, kind of like really reinforcing the flight option for for animals, whether it's a dog or a horse who might choose the fight option, really making sure they have that flight option accessible and reinforcing it when they do choose to do that. I think that really can help with those types of cases. And this is also really off topic again, but I really think that <laughs> the whole like flight training thing would really be cool to incorporate into the horse world too. Yeah, I don't know who did that, but I did actually apply something kind of similar with Sage because he is reactive and he had tried to bite people so for him we would reinforce him for like actually self-distancing rather than going towards someone and that's been really beneficial with him so I don't know why it wouldn't work for horses too yes I agree with you completely hold on I'm trying to figure out who the person is so that I can um make sure I like credit <laughs> them because it's really good um there's so many great trainers out there, so they deserve all the credit. <laughs> yeah. This course, they have the flight training for professionals course. It's on Pet Harmony. Okay, the instructor, Emily Strong. That name sounds really familiar, but I can't think of what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I think that'd I mean, be a really good thing to practice with horses, too. Yes, and if people do want to know more about it, there is um, an episode on the podcast Enrichment for the Real World. It's number 16, Flight Training Minisode, where they kind of go over what flight training is, and they give the link to the Flight Training for Professionals course, which I really would like to take that course, because I really just think that is such a cool idea of being able to reinforce that flight response, and I think horses do naturally choose that option a lot of the time, so it's probably easier with horses to kind of get that put into practice. I think with dogs, I don't know as much about dogs, obviously, but I think they might be more likely to choose the fight response than horses. So I think that's why it's especially popular right now for dogs, maybe. Um, but I think horses could really benefit from it. This is also not related to <laughs> human anxiety or burnout but yes <laughs> I know Jenda Gate the clinic that we're both going to in September she's doing a control unleashed program for her clinic but for horses so like even getting into dog behavior books can be really helpful for horses too because really a lot of it is kind of universal so I would recommend reading books like that if you do have a horse who's also kind of reactive yeah, for sure. And then for me, it's the other way around. My like horse knowledge will help me when I get a dog. So <laughs> it really, yeah, it really, it all goes together. <laughs> yes, it does. Another tip that I have for anxiety to get us back onto a track <laughs> was um, kind of utilize, utilizing patterns. I think utilizing patterns can really help because patterns kind of help you get into like a routine and 
get more comfortable with what you're doing and they also help the horse kind of get comfortable as well um my trainer Rachel really uses patterns a lot in her training and I've seen a lot of really cool improvements from it like especially working on stuff like mat training and like stuff like that having kind of a pattern to go around and it helps with getting you know be able to send the horse like ahead of you things like that and I think it's also just really confidence building to have the expectation of like this is where we're going to go next and they know what to expect and everybody's set up for success and then even just in terms of you know like routine just kind of being something that can be calming for some people and some horses that might help. Yeah, for sure. I think really a lot of what we apply to our horses can be applied to ourselves. Yeah, very true. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know like for myself right now, I have a foster or two coming on Tuesday. So today I had the horses in the back pasture because that's where they're gonna be for a while while we introduce everyone. So it's helping me kind of get in that routine, but it's also helping them adjust to that kind of different environment. They do go back there, but they're being stuck back there. So it is different. And yeah, I think the idea of routines and patterns can be really helpful for not only your horse, but also for you. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, routines can be stressful if the routine is like predicting something that is negative happening to you, but hopefully hopefully that's not the case when you're like going to the barn and doing stuff but yeah I mean I think that is that could help but honestly I don't really have a ton more I mean honestly like paying attention to my breathing and doing breathing exercises does help me but that's such a basic thing that I think everybody's aware of and it's helped some people and some people feel that it doesn't help them so I don't know that it's that useful to like focus on that a ton but that is always an option or um like listening to like guided meditations and stuff even if you're not actively meditating to it I think that sometimes that helps me if I'm like nervous if I hear like somebody's calming voice stuff like that yeah I think sometimes too it's kind of cliche but just like thinking positively like going in with a more positive mindset maybe planning the training session a little bit to give yourself an idea of how it'll go but still kind of having loose expectations so that you can adjust as you need to and just trying to be open-minded and positive is the general thing that I do. It doesn't always work, <laughs> but for the most part, it does. Yeah, that's very true. And I think positive reinforcement really helps with that because you really do look for what to reward and like focus on those like, oh yeah, he did the right behavior or he did a little tiny step toward the right behavior. Yay. And then you reward that instead of like being like, oh, my horse is being bad. I have to punish them. <laughs> So I think the mindset shift there really helps, but obviously still anxiety anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think anybody has the magical cure for anxiety. Otherwise there wouldn't be anxiety, but hopefully that would be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That'd be really nice, but hopefully some of the stuff that we said will help. And also randomly, I will say also, if you do have very serious anxiety, nothing wrong with medication. I'm on anxiety medication. I have no like shame talking about that. And I think it's really um, been helpful for me, although it does have some things I don't like. Like I think my heat intolerance is a little bit higher because of it. And being from the South, that was not always the best, but um, <laughs> I think it's been helpful for me with anxiety. So also, you know, a little anxiety around senior horse, obviously you don't need to be medicated for that, but like 
if you do have severe anxiety, like in your life, there's also really nothing wrong with medication. Yeah, I agree. I wish it was talked about more and just accepted more, I guess. Like I've seen a huge difference with my dog being on fluoxetine and thankfully haven't gotten a lot of negative feedback, but with taking prescriptions yourself, it does come across that way. Sometimes people, they get kind of upset that you're doing something, but it's so helpful. Like my dog is like night and day difference. There's so many good things that have happened because he's been on prescriptions and I'm sure it's the same with people too. Yeah, that's so true. And I feel like there just is a stigma of like, oh, if you're taking medication or whatever, then you are like not a high functioning person and you just have problems and you're not the kind of person that they want to be around or whatever, which is just like really ridiculous because I mean, like high functioning is overrated and like very ableist, but then also, I mean, I do, you know, if we're going to look at it through that lens, I would consider myself to be a very high functioning person with anxiety. Although, like I said, I don't think that's a useful lens, but, you know, from their perspective, I think I would be one of those people. And I, you know, I've never like had my life really like be impacted in the sense that like I couldn't do things, but it was just very like, uncomfortable for me to be doing things and it just makes my life a lot easier I still do all the same things I did before I started the medication but I like am much more emotionally stable and not just like thinking everyone like hates me and working myself up into like anxiety spirals all the time so like it really helps me um and so I think it's just it would just be good for people to understand that like everybody's situation is different and like I don't know mental health is just such a not valued area I think and it's becoming more and more valued but there is still a lot of like I don't know I guess ableism there and focus on like being like a high functioning or you know able to work through your mental illness and yeah so it's not the best but hopefully that will improve over time and there will be more acceptance of it I mean yeah I think also doing the medication in combination with like other things like maybe therapy if that's something that is accessible and comfortable for you or um even just like being with horses I know it's like kind of cliche but there is like so much research out there that shows that even just like being with horses has such a good impact on people's like mental health and like the physical type of activities with horses also on physical health so I think just things like that in your life will really help. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I wish it wasn't so stigmatized to take things for different mental health issues, especially anxiety. I have anxiety and it's so draining. <laughs> like I'm just constantly exhausted no matter what's going on. Yeah, I completely relate to that. And like, this is so off topic, but also good relevant conversation considering that I got into my master's for clinical mental health counseling yay <laughs> I really feel like it'll be cool for me too I really want to like really incorporate horses into my like mental health counseling because I think it's like it's just there's so much evidence that it's so good for people and then also like I think kind of therapy options like that can be good for people who like feel uncomfortable in a traditional therapy setting or maybe like have like language barriers and can't find like somebody who necessarily like speaks the language that they speak or 
you know, things like that. So I think it's just really cool to be able to do that. And then I can write off my horses as a business expense and save a little money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think it'd be really cool too to have more positive reinforcement based therapy programs because there's not many. Yeah, really, there's not. I mean, there's like Julia and like a couple other ones, but other than that, I don't know. Yeah, there's not very many. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that will be good. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click Treat Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click Treat Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every other Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training.